This is Radio Romania International. You are listening to our one-hour broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa. We can also be heard on the internet at www.ri.ro, Channel 1. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and other social media platforms. Our programs are also available on TuneIn, Radio Romania International 1 and in Europe via satellite Utilsat 16A on 11,512 MHz, vertical polarization, azimuth 16 degrees east. We wish you good reception conditions. I'm Ana Maria Popescu with the news. First, the headlines. The government will grant emergency aid to the citizens affected by this year's extreme weather conditions. In 2027, the first gas amounts will be extracted in the Neptune D project, and Romania will be the largest natural gas producer in the European Union, the management of OMV Petrom said. And the European Investment Bank announced 675 million euros in funding for Romania's transport, urban development and small enterprises. In today's cabinet meeting, the government is to pass a resolution concerning emergency aid granted to the citizens affected by extreme weather conditions this year. The emergency aid totals 1.4 million euros. Households in the center, southwest and south of the country have been hit by heavy rainfalls and other extreme weather conditions this month, requiring the intervention of military firefighters. Economic operation and handling the crises caused by Russia's war in Ukraine were the main topics on the agenda of the talks held in Kishino on Wednesday by the Prime Ministers of Romania, Marcel Tolaku, and of Moldova, Dorin Rechan. The latter thanked Bucharest for the support given to Moldova in its EU accession efforts and mentioned that bilateral relations are consolidated through the construction of roads, bridges and energy networks. During his visit to Chisinau, Matul Tolaku was accompanied by the Senate Speaker Nicolae Ciuca. We have more on this after the news. The manager of OMV Petrom, Christina Vescher, Thursday said that in 2027 the first amounts of natural gas will be extracted through the Neptune D project, turning Romania into the largest natural gas producer in the EU. The statements were made at the government's headquarters in Bucharest, where OMV Petrom and Romgas made an announcement concerning the development of Neptune Deep, the largest natural gas project in the Romanian part of the Black Sea. Spanning two decades, the project is expected to generate a gas output 30 times higher than the annual demand, which covers 4.3 million households. The estimated revenues to the Romanian state will be around 20 billion euros. Neptune Deep is a major step for our 2030 strategy aimed at supporting Romania's and the region's energy transition, the OMV Petrom executive added. 
The European Investment Bank Thursday announced new funding for Romania. The total 675 million euros will go into transport, urban development and small enterprises. 600 million euros will be earmarked for the transport sector to add to the EU recovery and resilience funding. The EIB Group and Romania mark 30 years of partnership, with over 17 billion euros granted by the bank in more than 170 financing projects since the start of its operations in the country. Given the progress of Romania's economy over the past 30 years, I'm proud that the EIB Group was able to help providing financing for better schools, hospitals, public infrastructure, universities and transport, and supporting climate action and small enterprises, said the EIB Vice President Liliana Pavlova in an event in Bucharest. In turn, Marjud Falkstad, chief executive of the European Investment Fund, emphasized that so far the EIF provided financial support to more than 56,000 Romanian enterprises. The former mayor of Bucharest districts 5 and 4, Cristian Popescu Piedone, was released from prison on Wednesday after the Supreme Court admitted his appeal for cancellation. The former mayor had served one year out of a four-year prison sentence for abuse of office in the collective investigation. He is now entitled to resume his office as mayor of District 5. The High Court of Cassation, however, dismissed the appeals of the other individuals sentenced in the same case. The head of the collective association, Eugen Yanko, said the release of the ex-mayor was not surprising, given that the officials who authorized the operation of the collective nightclub had also been freed. Justice in Romania is an overpaid embarrassment, Yanko said. On the night of the 30th of October 2015, 64 youth died in a fire during a rock concert in the collective nightclub. After legal proceedings spanning several years, prison sentences were given to Mayor Piedone, the club owners, and other officials involved in the case. And that was the news. The Romanian Prime Minister Marcel Ciolacu made his first foreign visit to Chisinau. I'm Lokamer Asimian with details in this commentary by Roxana Vasile. Top-ranking Romanian officials visited Chisinau this week to reiterate once again that Bucharest fully supports the European accession process of the neighboring Republic of Moldova. Recently installed at the helm of the new coalition government made up of the Social Democratic Party and the National Liberal Party, the Social Democratic leader Marcel Ciolacu, accompanied by the former Liberal Prime Minister, currently the Speaker of the Senate, Nicolae Ciuco, made their first joint external visit to Chisinau, where they had talks with the President of the Republic, Maya Sandu, with the Prime Minister, Dorin Rechan, and the President of Parliament, Igor Grosu. The government of Romania will remain the guarantor of the security and stability of the Republic of Moldova and will continue to support with all its strength the country's EU accession process, said Marcel Ciolacu. He particularly appreciated the progress that Chisinau has registered in applying the reforms in the field of justice and in fighting corruption. And equally, he spoke about the continuation of bilateral economic cooperation. 
Prime Minister Marcel Ciolacu. Suntem obligați ca împreună să punem un accent deosebit pe zona economică. We are obliged to put a special emphasis on the economic area. Together, trade relations between Romania and the Republic of Moldova last year increased by 50%, standing at almost $3.6 billion. And I think this is the right way, said Marcel Tolacu. Since everything must be done for the benefit of the citizens on both banks of the river Prut, the Moldovan Prime Minister Dorin Rechan invited economic companies from Romania to invest in the Republic of Moldova. Am discutat acele nouă proiecte pentru tranșa a doua din ajutorul Bucureștiului, din ajutorul Guvernului României. Today we discussed the nine projects for the second installment of the aid provided by the government of Romania worth 100 million. These nine projects are worth 28 million euros and they will go to investments providing opportunities to our companies and will develop the localities of the Republic of Moldova, said Dorin Rechan. In parallel with managing the crisis caused by Russia's war in Ukraine from the immediate vicinity, Bucharest and Chisinau must emphasize the development of infrastructure, bridges, roads and energy networks. Marcel Ciolacu has more. I guarantee you that in the next government meeting, money will be earmarked for projects regarding drinking water and sewage, which are necessary to support the villages in the Republic of Moldova to be European villages, Marcel Ciolacu said. Romania is willing to share its legislative experience in Moldova's European integration project, said the Speaker of the Romanian Senate, Nicolae Ciuca. Earlier this week, also in Chisinau, the new Romanian Foreign Minister, Luminița Odobescu, pointed out that Bucharest was taking consistent diplomatic steps to advance the EU integration process of Moldova, with particular emphasis on the objective of opening the accession negotiations as soon as possible. The international community continues to help Ukraine, a country invaded by the Russian troops. I'm Eugen Nasta, with more on this in a commentary by Bogdan Matei. The President of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, announced on Wednesday at the Conference for the Reconstruction of Ukraine, organized in London, the creation of a European fund worth 50 billion euros in the coming years, necessary for the reconstruction of the country invaded by Moscow's troops on February the 24th, 2022. The head of the European Commission says that the European Union has an additional responsibility towards Kiev, since the authorities there claim that they are determined to lead their country towards admission into the Union. The community programme will be financed in three ways. European grants, loans and money obtained from the confiscation of Russian assets. The experts' estimates regarding the costs of reconstruction already exceeded £300 billion and continue to grow. So, the international media write, the contribution of the private sector will also be necessary. And the US will provide additional aid worth $1.3 billion for the Ukrainian economy especially for its essential infrastructure, the American Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, announced also in London. The meeting is attended by dozens of political leaders and business people from around the world, and for the President of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, 
It was another opportunity to advocate for his country's rapprochement to the European Union and NATO. The reconstruction of Ukraine, Zelensky added, must be based on trust between partners and a geopolitical context that guarantees that such conflicts will not occur again. Meanwhile, the number of Ukrainian citizens who found employment in neighboring Romania after the outbreak of the war reached a new record on Wednesday, said the Romanian Labour Minister Marius Budai. According to Budai, at the national level, 6,810 employment contracts were concluded for the Ukrainian citizens, the highest level since February 24, 2022 until now. Most Ukrainians employed in Romania, 1,452, are working in the manufacturing industry and 1,181 in constructions. Another 737 are employed in the commercial field. From the point of view of the areas in which they chose to work, most Ukrainians, 2,770, found work in Bucharest and 418 in Timish County in the west. More than 4.5 million Ukrainians fled through Romania from the menace of the Russian invasion troops. Most of them continued their way to Western European countries, but over 85,000 chose to stay here. The Ukrainians say that especially the language barrier, their Slavic language, has very few similarities with Romance Romanian, prevents them from finding a job and enrolling their children in school in order to benefit from the financial aid offered by the Romanian state. The new program adopted by the Romanian authorities to support the refugees obliges every member of the family to work and the children to go to a Romanian school. And that was Radio Newsreel. Time now for Hit of the Day on Radio Romania International. Cleopatra Stratan is her daddy's daughter in her most recent single. Cleopatra saw international fame at the tender age of three with the cut Gitze, written by her father, Pavel Stratan. Cleopatra said her daddy's daughter, her most recent release, is one of her favorites, at once being very different from what she has launched so far, a cut with a very special vibe. You are therefore invited to listen to Cleopatra Stratan's musical story, captured in her most recent release, her daddy's daughter, Fatalutata, in Romanian. Nu sunt deloc proastă, sunt doar simplă cu tine Pentru că n-am curaj, poate n-am curaj să schimb destine Femei sunt sude de mine, dar printre ele Eu sunt femeie de trei ori pentru tine, știi? Sau oamenii câștigă, sau nu câștigă nimeni Filosofia asta pare de copil Dar crede-mă că-i mai matură decât tine Și decât mine Sunt ceea ce mama a fost Sunt fata lui tata O vindă a tot ce-a trecut Sunt iluminată Cu capul în urmă Și sper odată Fata să-mi spună Că este la fel cum am fost Că ea 
Uite că poți să ștergi în amintire totul Și știi că dacă ai vrea n-ai avea prea mult de șters Sensul unic pare drept și este simplu Dar ne creează interes Trozile cu dublu sens Sau oamenii câștigă Sau nu câștigă nimeni Filosofia asta pare de copil Dar crede-mă că-i mai matură decât tine Și decât mine Sunt ceea ce mama a fost în fata lui tata You are listening to Radio Romania International. Traveler's Guide. Hello, this is Daniel Bills on the microphone and today we are going to speak about ecotourism in Romania. Romania is known, among other things, for its vast and virgin forests, for the areas where tradition is still unspoiled and where we find craftsmen who still work handicraft objects using techniques and following patterns that have been handed down to them from one generation to the next. In all this landscape, there are associations who have been striving to preserve the natural values and provide education focusing on responsible tourism. Today, we will find out what exactly ecotourism entails. Our guide is advocacy expert and Greener Association coordinator Loredana Pana. Sunt activități pe care le putem face atunci când mergem în vacanță, însă ele au un impact mai mic asupra mediului pe care îl vizităm. It entails the activities we can do when we are on holiday, yet we do such activities with a much less stronger impact on the environment we visit. Tourism, as a rule, can do a lot of damage to the visited places. The great inflow of tourists, the flight, Everything we consume while on holiday, all that takes its toll on the tourist destinations. When we intend to do ecotourism, or slow tourism as it is known, we visit certain areas, bearing in mind the impact we can have on nature. For instance, we do not use motorized vehicles when on holiday, or we spend as much time as we can in the same area and eat the local produce, and not those brought from afar, as the latter have a strong carbon imprint. Practically, we need to think as much as we can about the impact we have in a given community and what we leave behind us. The eco-routes are eco-tourism itineraries we can take by foot, by bicycle, by water, using a kayak, on horseback, so it's about non-motorized means of transport. Luckily, in Romania, quite a few of the areas around the country are not very developed, so they somehow are in a natural condition which is closer to ecotourism. Notwithstanding, according to Greener Association's Loredana Pana, 
Ecotourism should work according to a sound legal framework. Din păcate nu există o tendință sau o încurajare la nivel legislativ și național de susținere acestor Unfortunately, I don't think there is a tendency or an encouraging trend at legislative and national level to support such ecotourism destinations, and I think we have the opportunity to do it since we are still at the beginning. Yet such destinations should be promoted more often. Ecotourism destination is a concept that has been developed since 2012 by the Central Public Tourism Authority in partnership with nationwide representative institutions and organizations. At that time, Romania was Europe's first country to have launched such a recognition system of the ecotourism destinations. As we speak, there are seven officially recognized ecotourism destinations. However, advocacy expert and Greener Association coordinator Loredana Pana invites us to explore an area which, even though it has not been officially recognized as such, can be the perfect destination for those who want to do green tourism. Eu voi recomanda acum zonele de pe Dunăre, de exemplu. Noi avem multe proiecte pe Dunăre și în Delta Dunăre. I will recommend right now the areas along the River Danube. We have many projects involving River Danube and the Danube Delta. The Danube Delta is an extraordinarily beautiful area. It is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It is unique around the world thanks to the landscapes the Danube forms as it flows into the Black Sea. We still have villages that are not touristic. I should like to recommend to our listeners to take a couple of days off and have boat rides slowly with as small boats as possible and spend as much time as they can in those villages of the Danube Delta, being in direct contact with the local community. I don't recommend that we go to a resort which is somehow separated from the entire local community. The Danube Delta is a unique example from the viewpoint of multiculturality. There are over 12 ethnic groups living in the Danube Delta and Dobroja, and they are a good example of good practice as they have preserved their traditions and lived together for such a long time. The Greener Association has this week launched the Danube Eco Route. Este de fapt mai mult o idee la care vom lucra și în continuare. Este un traseu de 44 de kilometri. This is actually an idea we are going to continue to work on. It's a 44-kilometer route on land and water around the city of Giurgiu. The route includes the city of Giurgiu and other four communes, Slobozia, Oinacu, Prundu and Gostinu. These 44 kilometers can be covered on bicycle, on foot or on horseback. It is important that we should not go there by cars or other motorized vehicles, but enjoy the tranquility of nature and the fresh air. We have proposed this eco-route because we need green areas to use for entertainment and our psychological welfare, so to say. It is at one hour distance from Bucharest, a marvelous area the Danube creates in this region. In the south, for instance, there are no entertainment facilities on the Danube like we have in the Delta or where the Danube enters Romania, for instance. You have been listening to our weekly feature, Traveler's Guide. Coming up next... 
Generation 3.0. Welcome to Generation 3.0. I'm Eugen Nastam. Our today's item focuses on Eduard Bolanic, coordinator of the League of Romanian Students Abroad's Low Countries branch. 25-year-old Eduard Bolanic is the coordinator of the Low Countries branch as part of the League of Romanian Students Abroad. He was born in Curta de Argeș. Having graduated from the Vlaikovoda National College in Kurta de Argeș, Eduard opted for pursuing his university studies in the Low Countries. Eduard told us he had his first contact with the Dutch society when he was an 11th grader in high school. For a whole week, Eduard lived in Zvola. He was quite impressed with what he saw there. So right now he is an international business administration student with Advente University in the Dutch town of Enschede. We asked Edward what prompted him to choose the Low Countries, ruling out other higher education systems. In primul rând, faptul că studiez în engleză, adică și dacă aș fi făcut un program de studiu în olandeză, nu m-aș fi ajutat atât de mult, pentru că studiind în engleză, First off, the fact that I study in English, which means that, had I pursued a study program in Dutch, that would not have been that much helpful for me, as studying in English, that by default creates professional and economic opportunities in English. One other perk would be the fact that the teacher-student relationship is not a teacher's superiority relationship towards their students, so communication is much better. Another perk has to do with the advantages the Dutch state offers its students. For those who do not opt for studying, but choose to pursue professional training courses instead, the Dutch government offers 1,000 euros, but you don't have to pay the money. You benefit from it if you want to take a given course, enabling you to get a diploma-based qualification. I, for one, do a business analytics course so that in the future I can get a job more rapidly. I believe these perks offered by the Dutch state are much more superior to the perks I would have had as a student in Romania. Edward's first contact with the League of Romanian Students Abroad occurred three years ago when he questioned the League about an opportunity of studying outside Romania. In February 2020, Edward joined the League's Low Countries branch. He did volunteer work for the League's Foreign Relations Department. He got promoted, running the department himself, while at present, Edward is the head of the League's entire branch. So far, the experience I had has been a very pleasant one as I managed to join and adapt to a Romanian community in the Low Countries, a diverse one, made of students who are not only from my town, but also from cities located a little bit farther, from Amsterdam, Rotterdam, Groningen. Actually, I also made a lot of friends ever since I have joined the League of Romanian Students Abroad. And that was Generation 3.0. Next in this program... Sports. 
Welcome to Sports Flash with me, Eugen Nasta. Matches counting towards the U21 European Football Championships final tournament kick-started in Romania and Georgia this past Wednesday. In Bucharest, Romania sustained a 0-3 defeat by Spain. Also in Bucharest, Ukraine defeated Croatia 2-0. In Georgia's Tbilisi, host country squad grabbed a 2-0 win against Portugal, while the match pitting the Netherlands against Belgium ended in an unassuming blank draw. Also in news from football, the Romanian teams know who their opponents are in the European competition's preliminaries. In the Champions League's first preliminary round, Farol Constanza goes against Republic of Moldova title holders Sheriff Tiraspol. Georgia Haji's trainees play the first leg on home turf in Ovidiu on July the 11th or the 12th, while the return leg will be played in Chisinau on July the 18th or the 19th. In the Europa Conference League's second preliminary round, FCSB and Shepshi OSK Svantu Gheorghe play Bulgarian teams PFC Ceseca Sofia and FC Ceseca 1948 Sofia, respectively. Both legs of the tie are scheduled abroad for the Romanian teams on July the 27th, while the return legs are scheduled on August the 3rd. CFA Cluj takes on Turkey's Adana Demirspor, with the first leg of the tie scheduled in Cluj Napoca on July the 27th. In the Champions Leagues in Women's Handball's next edition, two teams will represent Romania. Apart from holders CSM Bucharest, the vice-champion team Rapid also got through. We recall that in the league's previous edition, both CSM and Rapid reached as far as the quarter-finals. However, in the men's version of the league, Dinamo Bucharest's application to play in the Champions League was turned down. Holders Dinamo Bucharest will play in the EHF League the next season. As part of the European Games in Krakow, Romania's women's 3x3 basketball team is at the top of the table in Group B after the first two fixtures. On Wednesday, Romania defeated Austria 17-14 and Germany 15-13. On Friday, Romania will play its last group match, the fixture against Greece. The first two teams in descending order advance to the quarter-finals. And that's all from Sports Today. You can also access our sports items at rri.io and on Facebook. You are listening to Radio Romania International. Welcome to Music of Romania. I'm Eugen Nasta. We have prepared for today a fine selection of authentic traditional Romanian songs included in the Ethnophony collection compiled by a team from the Romanian Peasant Museum and the Alexandru Tsigara Samurkash Cultural Foundation, a team jointly coordinated by ethnomusicologist Speranza Radulescu. The starters here is Constantin Costica Lupu, performing a fine piece, the 17th, included in the collection's 9th CD.
Next stop in the program, here's a fine vocal piece performed by Viorica Sandu of the Voluntar Commune from southern Romania's Ilfov County, a piece included in the Ethnophony Collection's first CD. We end Music of Romania today with a tune performed by the Klejan Traditional Music Combo for accompanying vocalist Ilie Jorga. The tune was included on the first CD of the Ethnophony Collection.
Living Romania Coming up next on Radio Romania International In the Spotlight Hello and welcome to the program. I'm Vlad Paluku and today's topic in the spotlight is resilience, something which is not sufficiently discussed in the present context. We've been already through over one year of war, the consequences of which are very painfully visible in the lives of citizens, not just in neighboring countries such as Romania, but everywhere else. Steep increases in prices for commodities and services have left many of us wondering when this will stop. But as all eyes are pinned on the developments in Ukraine, the main issue for many is coping with the outcomes of the war, and it is here that resilience plays a key role. But what is resilience more specifically? It's not just a simple dictionary definition of being able to recover from a particular mishap. It's democratic resilience, in particular, the ability of communities to avert democratic breakdowns in the face of rising autocratic tendencies that we're interested in. And while it is impossible for the time being to turn back the time and live our lives business as usual, it is possible, however, to look at ways of adapting to the new context and fighting propaganda. This was one of the topics of a Resilience Talks debate hosted by the Euro-Atlantic Resilience Centre in Bucharest, where Sweden's ambassador in Romania, Therese Uden, argued that the higher society's trust in the government and the country's leaders the higher its resilience. I believe Sweden is still the society, the country that where the citizens have the highest trust in their institutions, in the government, in the parliament, and in other government functions. Vice versa, the public institutions also trust the citizens. And I think there, perhaps, what we saw happening in Sweden during the COVID pandemic was also a reflection of that sort of mutual trust because we never had a lockdown 
but people did take certain measures as they were recommended to do. So just as a small example, perhaps, of how that sort of both resilience and that trust worked in, in practice. The question is, of course, where does that trust come? You don't just snap your fingers and you have it. It is for sure something that we have had because it's been measured. It has been measured by some institutes over time. And we've had this with very little variations for a number of decades. Ultimately, it will, of course, come from the fact that to earn the trust, you need to get something for it. So, of course, in Sweden, we do have a social security system. We pay our taxes, but we get something for it. People in Sweden seem to be sufficiently pleased with what they are getting from the state. And that's, of course, how you manage to maintain this social contract, because the trust is really what keeps our social contract together. It is, of course, never something to take for granted. And I think this is the challenge we are seeing today in, in my country also. Uh, we do have issues of uh, segregated communities, so we need to take this discussion and we need to work harder on this. To build this trust is also, of course, to teach kids in school a couple of things such as, for instance, how to be resilient, how to work against disinformation, how to detect disinformation. It's, it's not a, a course in itself, but it is the mere methodological way of teaching in Sweden, which is based very much on the questions and answers, the right to sort of question something, the possibility to debate, question your teacher, to try uh, trial and error, basically, and ultimately, teamwork. In turn, Juana Popescu Zanfir, the director of Global Focus, a think tank dealing with democratic resilience, transition and reform, argues that, more often than not, resilience develops from societal distrust in the authorities, which, she warns, could have a negative side as well. I think, strangely enough, the resilience in our region, including Romania, actually stems from the healthy distrust of government. We have completely different circumstances than the Scandinavian countries. Romania ranked first, I think, in the EU in terms of um, lack of confidence in both state institutions and in one another, which is an actual problem when it comes to building societal resilience. But what we do have from our experience of communism and dictatorship and so on and so forth is something that is conducive to both democracy and resilience. Namely, we never take anything that any government does for granted. We never really buy what we are being sold by the political class. On the one hand, that can be healthy and it can be a good reservoir to start building resilience from. On the other hand, it can be destructive, and I'm afraid it is at this point, and it provides ample room for radical anti-establishment forces to grow while we mistrust the government. At the same time, we have a legacy and we have a pretty disturbing basis of autocratic tendencies. We tend to like strongmen, we like strong figures. So it's a mix that we haven't negotiated with after communism, not yet, not enough. It's really high time, and I think we're going to see this next year when we have elections throughout Europe and the region. We are going to see the very dangerous progress of 
far-right radical forces. Hopefully this is going to be a trigger for the region to look at its democratic mechanisms and to look at societal resilience and ask the fundamental question, well, how have we lost the citizens? How come they don't want to participate in the democratic process anymore? How come that we have high levels of civic participation but not political participation and not elections turnout, for instance? And how can we regain the trust of citizens? Because indeed, I'm afraid that is true. Uh, it's healthy to question everything, including your government, but when the trust, the bond of trust is completely broken, there is very little that can be built on that sort of basis. In Nordic countries, resilience is also a natural outgrowth of educational program trying to instill in people democratic values at a very early age. So, what is the situation in Romania? How do we offset the absence of curricula focusing on the benefits of participative democracy so as to be properly equipped to deal with threats such as disinformation, for instance? Juana Popescu Zanfir. For too long now, it has not been built on critical thinking. It has not been built on a healthy relationship that puts the child and the child's interests at the core of the education process. It is hierarchical, maybe not a school in anti-democratic tendencies, but it definitely doesn't teach children how to relate to authority, how to question it from a position of mutual respect what to expect to be given, how to expect to be the beneficiaries of the system. I think that very much reflects our behavior as citizens later on. I think there is a lot to build on, precisely because Romanian society has had to develop often despite government, rather than thanks to government policies. So we have the resilience that comes with self-reliance, with the fact that we have had to cater for ourselves. But There is so much polarization at this point, and people are so vulnerable to disinformation, to political radicalization and so on, that we really need a deliberate drive to try and find again what are the values that we share, what's the common base that we share and that we want to grow on. What kind of society is Romania supposed to be in the future? So hopefully we will acknowledge that we need to relearn to build democratic consensus by clearly rejecting the anti-democratic messages and forces and learning to discuss across the board despite our differences. And that is clearly not an easy job, least so for Romania in the current context, where far-right rhetoric is gaining ground much like elsewhere in Europe and society has grown increasingly polarized questioning the political legitimacy and democratic commitments of parties on both sides of the political spectrum. And with that, it's time to wrap today's edition. Thanks for joining me in the spotlight today. For now, it is goodbye. Focus on Romania. Coming up next on Radio Romania International. Simply Folk. 
Welcome to Simply Folk with me, La Cremera Simeon. Today's program features Viorica Flintashu, a native of Bihor County, with the song My Village Takes Pride in Dancing. With that, our broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa has come to an end. You can listen to our next program for Western Europe at 17 UTC on 13,750 kHz in the DRM system and on 15,180 kHz in analog system. Listeners in Africa can receive our programs tomorrow at 11 UTC on 15,320 and 17,670 kHz. We can also be heard on the internet at www.rri.ro, channel 1. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write an email at engl at rri.ro. Goodbye.